Hello and welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshaw.net. Episode 23, Develop Curriculum Content. Hello and welcome to another episode of If I Were the Minister for Education. Uh, it's me, uh, Simon Lewis uh, from Onshaw.net, and I'll be bringing you through uh, this week's episode, which is called Develop Curriculum Content. Um, whenever I give talks or lectures about education, whenever I get that opportunity, I often comment that considering its name, the Department of Education has very, very little interest in education itself. Even like the entire structure of the system is based on a concept where the Department of Education has education itself at arm's length. They, they don't actually provide education. They provide for education. That's in its uh, actual um, policy for education. They don't actually provide education directly. What they've done is they've outsourced it to private entities to do so, uh, mostly uh, religious uh, entities, about 96 to 97% of them. Anyway, while teachers say they're grateful for the fact that the Department of Education stays out of our classrooms, they don't actually stay out of our classrooms all, uh, if the truth be told. They involve themselves in all sorts of ways, which I argue prevent education from happening rather than helping support education. And one thing they haven't done properly is to provide teachers with useful curriculum content. They never really have. So if I were the Minister for Education, I would start creating proper curriculum content. I did my teacher training in Wales. Um, this was in the dark ages before Hibernia College came along. So my only chance of becoming a teacher was to head across the Irish Sea. My understanding, and I've yet to get a straight answer, is that even if I had have gone the Irish postgrad route, I may have had a bit of a barrier um, in terms of I might have been asked for my baptismal certificate. Now, I'm told this practice did exist, but ceased in 2003. And even though I'm pretty sure they couldn't have stopped me entering the course, I like telling people that I would have faced the baptism barrier had I actually stayed in Ireland and decided to become a teacher. I'm sure they wish they kept it up to keep heathens like me out. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, the PGCE in Wales, to be honest, was brilliant. I loved every minute, well, almost every minute, and I learned loads, as I'm sure all of you did who are listening in whatever course, uh, teacher training course you did. I adored my teacher training. I know it sounds really cocky, but I found after doing the course uh, in Wales, I found the dip to be a bit of a doddle. Now, this is because I probably had um, a very, very intense inspection uh, progress in Wales, uh, much more than what I can see is happening in Ireland. I, I don't know, but I found what was expected of me in terms of, let's say, differentiation, planning and so on to be much less in Ireland. Um, and and maybe that's maybe that's why I didn't stay in the UK. In fact, that's, that's exactly why I didn't stay there. But I'm glad I went through it for just a year just to see how bad things could actually get. However, I did also get um, an extra year before my dips because I obviously had to do the Irish exams, the SCG. So maybe I built up some confidence in my first year where I, where I, in, uh, in an Irish classroom. So, you know, there is that too. Look, I know no one is doing their dip anymore, but, you know, because of that dreaded nonsense. But if they were, I'd highly recommend 
doing it in your second year of teaching if you can if it's a possibility of doing your um doing the dip or even um you know you, you if you're if you still can do the dip do it in your second year if you can anyway it's a moot point as i said thanks to dread anyway we're, we're not, you don't even have to plan at all to get through it however one thing that i found odd in ireland um when i got back was the fact that schools relied so heavily on textbooks from private companies i rarely rarely ever used a textbook in the uk and the children didn't have them didn't own any textbooks what i did use were resources developed my resources that were developed by the government or government agencies and different local authorities and some of these were paper-based and many of them were online you probably have used some of them those the ones online anyway in ireland there's nothing of that sort there was nothing at all there were almost no online resources to complement any part of the curriculum and there were none whatsoever created by the department of education even through the ncca i found it really really bizarre like technology as a whole was very much in its infancy in Ireland compared to the UK, fair enough. I mean, I get that. However, it wasn't just the UK that had, had all these online resources. It was every other English-speaking country too. New Zealand, America, Canada, even Northern Ireland. Um, but it wasn't as if Ireland didn't have access to technology. It was a fact that as part of the IT2000 initiative, that's the original um, initiative that the, uh, that the government had to bring uh, technology into Irish classrooms, it seemed that the Department of Education forgot to include anything involving pedagogy along with technology. Just for a bit of background, the IT2000 program uh, or initiative was a system that was, that was an initiative started in 1997 and it aimed to bring Ireland into the 21st century by and basically the, the way they did it was they plunked a Gateway 2000 PC into a staff room and they trained teachers how to use Word and PowerPoint. Now, while the internet was also in its infancy with rainbow colored backgrounds, scrolling tickers and badly animated GIFs all the rage, there was some good things out there being developed. None of them, none of them were in Ireland. As I mentioned, in Wales, the government created hundreds of online resources to help teachers teach lots of the concepts in the Welsh curriculum, in all subjects, and they were all bilingual, and this is really, really important. If you try and find any Irish decent Irish language resources out there, even today, 2019, it's very hard to find them. So, for example, if I wanted to teach the kids the life cycle of a plant, the Welsh Assembly provided me ev with everything I needed to bring me through the whole class introduction, the development and even the conclusion. And my job was to use that resource um, and then to complement my class and differentiate the various activities from my class. That was my job. I, the thing was, none of the stuff was particularly advanced. And it, like in fairness, it was all designed as a sort of a presentation for an interactive whiteboard. And also, it was bilingual, as I said. So... I didn't speak Welsh and I didn't have to teach through Welsh, thankfully. I would have been really stuck. But had I have gone to a Welsh medium school or had, uh, or had some, uh, some, if there was a Welsh teacher, it was all there in Welsh as well. Meanwhile, in Ireland, they were running courses on the basic maintenance of a PC in Wales and almost every other country in the world. If a PC broke, somebody was in charge of fixing that in the school, not the teachers. Anyway, Skullnet was launched in 1998, you might say, so there was nothing happening. Um, and it was a portal for Irish teachers to find resources. And to be perfectly frank, it was a disaster, a total disaster. It was badly laid out, there was little in the way of a search function, and there wasn't one original resource created by the government. All the links were to websites created in other countries, uh, more or less, 
and anything remotely Irish were links to worksheets created in Microsoft Word or maybe a piece of software like Literacy Activity Builder. I don't know if any of you remember that one. And coupled with all this, the IT2000 initiative was largely ignored by teachers who, in the main, left their computer covered by a tablecloth at the back of their classroom and just went back to their books. In fact, in 2005, this is 2005, not that long ago, an inspector's report showed that only 4% of teachers admitted to using technology in their classroom on a daily basis. Can you imagine? 4%! It's hard to believe that's only 15 years ago at the time of this recording, but there it is! 4 out of 100. Can you imagine? And why, and why was this? Well, as always, well, almost always, it comes down to policy. And before I come down on that like a ton of bricks, there was one thing that, that our government did get right. And I need, to, I need to give credit where it's due. It's something they got right, which the UK didn't. And I always think it's a very good idea in Ireland to say when the UK don't do something, it doesn't do something right, because it gives us a lovely glowy feeling in our bodies, doesn't it? And, you know, we should actually be eternally grateful to whoever it was that must have argued this case, because I'm not sure whether they argued it on the basis of the curriculum overload or whether they knew pedagogically they were doing the right thing. This was the decision to not make technology or ICT a standalone subject and to ask teachers to rather to ask teachers to integrate it into their subjects. It was a great call. It's possibly the only good decision made regarding the teaching of ICT in this country. But the only problem was this. All of the teacher training colleges made ICT a separate subject. I, 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 it baffles me to this day. It still is a separate subject. 15, 20 years on, actually, over 20 years on, if you are doing teacher training, the ICT is a separate subject. I, I just don't get it. Even Hibernia College, which wasn't, which wasn't not only an online course with an expectation of ICT proficiency, but given that it opened in 2003, well after it was widely agreed that ICT as a separate subject was a really bad idea, it still did it. So this meant that the curriculum subjects were taught without ICT integration, and it doesn't take any genius to understand what happens after that. If you teach teachers how to use technology separately from the subjects, well, what's going to happen? Not only that, CPD for practicing teachers was also extremely poor on pedagogy. The focus seemed to remain on skills, teacher skills, not children's skills, teacher skills. If I remember correctly, when I was graduating and when I was qualifying, the most popular course available for teachers was developing a school website on something called WebX, WebX5, I think it was, WebX5 or Website X5. Um, you might actually even find a few sites knocking about today um, from back then. This is like in the early part of the 21st century, like the 20, nearly 20 years ago. In fact, if you look at page one, uh, well, at this time of the recording, of the Skullnet Star Sites Awards, there's actually one there. It's amazing. I, I was, I was, I was almost impressed that uh, someone was still uh, using um, Website X5. It's, it's an archaic piece of software. Then, anyway, as I said, nobody was developing original Irish content to support the curriculum. Well, that is nobody except me and a few others. In 2002, a friend of mine and I um, developed a CD-ROM, do you remember CD-ROMs, uh, called Who Took the Book? It was an interactive game that brought the user on a journey around the counties of Ireland solving puzzles and trying to find out who took the Book of Cows. And it was the first piece of indigenous software to support the new Irish primary curriculum. I'm still really proud 
um well actually i'm really proud of the theme tune i made for the game which was actually done by getting some piece of midi software and randomly clicking anywhere on the stave um and it came up with the tune um it was it was it, after that it was followed uh, by two sequels um um each year um who stole mona uh, was the, the second one and i actually can't remember the name of the third. oh who nabbed sam that was it uh, my friend uh, who i developed this with still says that now to him Creating these three pieces of software was a turning point. It was the first time there was something out there that was explicitly created and designed to support the new Irish primary curriculum with ICT fully integrated into every subject. And as it so, ha- and as it so happened, a year or two after that, he actually ended up working with a schoolbook company who produced the very first software to support a textbook, which is very interesting. Um, these days, it's a bare minimum. Look, outside of myself and my friend there, um, there were a few others. There was Know Your Ireland um, from, uh, uh, from Edware. And there was SESC Interactive from um, Learning Horizons. And a few other bits and bobs. Now, Ask About Ireland was and still is a decent uh, piece of app or a piece, uh, a piece of software. And in fairness, there was quite a bit of SESC stuff out there for some reason. I, I actually have no idea why everyone seems to be developing SESC software. Um, however, there was no sign of anything indigenous coming from the government. Well, that is, um, except for I Am An Artist, um, the website, I don't know if any of you remember, it's still up, uh, in 2004, which, in fairness to it, was decent. It's still there, as I said, and I'd really recommend it to teach the art curriculum. In fact, if you went to any training on the new curriculum at the time, and in fact, that training came to us uh, through the PCSP, which is now the PDST, there seemed to be a rule that at some point, and usually the very last part of the day when no one was listening, the trainer had to add something to do with technology. And nine times out of 10, well, 10 times out of 10, it was a list of websites on a screen. And almost none of them were Irish. In fact, one could nearly argue that the entire support for the maths, pri- Irish primary maths curriculum came from New Zealand. Does anyone remember nzmaths.co.nz? I mean, how many times were you referred to that when you were doing maths, any maths training? For me, the problem wasn't that we weren't able to make these supports. We actually had a really good infrastructure. For example, we had 10 full-time ICT advisors nationally in all the education centres. We had Skullnet. We also had access to huge amounts of expertise who were creating things privately. Edware, Learning Horizons, Discovery. They're just three private companies creating and publishing indigenous software to support the curriculum. We also had a thriving economy at the time. We were a full Celtic tiger. And we can see by the I Am An Artist project that this was entirely possible. It was a really good project. However, for whatever reason, the government chose not to do it. And of the three companies I've mentioned there, two were gone even before the recession hit us. The only people creating curriculum content now are book publishers and they are doing an okay job however they aren't making this content for the love of it as we know they need it to support the sales of their textbooks and i would argue their model is doomed to failure how many schools no longer use a textbook for most of the non-core subjects for example well the textbook companies need to do something very very quickly and this is where i digress a little bit they just can't simply rely on a book-based model forever the days of a book-based m- uh, model for education are disappearing and they're disappearing i suppose they eventually uh, I, I don't know how long it'll hang in there it's hanging in longer than i thought to be honest with you, but it will go overnight basically and i can see 
I mean, one thing I can see they've done, which is working at second level, is they make, they've made iPad versions of their books and they just sell them for extortionate prices. Uh, that's not going to wash at primary level. The companies that are going to succeed, the book companies that are going to succeed, and I've been, I've actually spoken to them about this. Um, in fact, I've gone further than that, are the ones that will create complete online programs in their various subjects it won't be good enough to simply provide simple games to support books they will actually need to be thinking about encouraging schools to log in every day so basically so to in order to use it to make sure they use it every day and they need to they need to basically um look uh, log in every day and pay and pay to do that you know that's the thing they need to think of the subscription model all you've got to do is look at websites that teachers can't live without right now look at twinkle UK website. Look at Aladdin. Fair enough, an Irish website, but not 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 something to support the curriculum. Something for administration and so on. And the thing is, we pay for them, and we need them. What? And and they, and, and you know what? We pay a lot for them. And where does that money come from? Well, we know the answer to that. There are now hundreds of Irish primary teachers selling resources that they've made on their Instagram pages, Facebook pages, and even their own individual blogs. And, prov- and some of them are even providing seminars to other teachers, like they're doing uh, what the PDST should be doing. And, also, and, 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 and more and more and more kind of this sort of private stuff to hungry Irish teachers. They need this stuff. They aren't going to their, they aren't going buying, paying to go to these seminars or paying to download resources for the love of it i run one of these sites uh, mash.ie and i'm not advertising what i am by just mentioning it but what it does it allows teachers to share and sell resources they've made to support the curriculum now we're slowly we are getting there uh, moving to an almost book-free primary education system we will get there i think and right now hundreds of schools are paying for private subscriptions to private websites to provide content to support the curriculum take Dabble Do, an Irish uh, music program, for example. It's an Irish company that provides an entire music program for primary schools. And outside of Ireland, we've hundreds of companies offering alternatives. Look at Mathletics, Spellodrome, and Reading Eggs. Which they all have, it's a UK company, granted 3P Learning, but they have Irish adaptions of their programs because there's a market for them. Look at Nessie as well, Spelling City, and so on. Now, this is where I would come in as the Minister for Education. And this is what I'd do. In fact, to be honest, this was the reason I set up Onshaw.net in the first place. Onshaw.net originally was a resource sharing website back in, I think, 2002 when I set it up, where teachers could upload and share links to good websites to support the curriculum. However, what I couldn't do was the following. If I were the Minister for Education, I would set up a section in the department where their job would be to create a high quality professional portals, uh, sorry, a high quality professional portal with online resources to support the curriculum. It would be called Skullnet, maybe. <laughs> in fact, we just revamped Skullnet. Schools would log in and then they'd be able to access whatever they needed. However, it would also have to allow students to access uh, it would also have to allow students access it. And this is where Pod might be very helpful. Every student of the country is on Pod. They can use the Pod information to allow students access the uh, Skullnet website. I mean, it, it would make sense to tie them together. And we can get over GDPR stuff. Anyway, once you're in, uh, once you're in Pod, you can access the student part of the site, and this section will contain the resources chosen by the class teacher, the school, and you know, or your principal or whatever, and um, maybe even your local education centre. But here's the most important bit: it needs to be a portal that allows 
third-party products to plug into it. So for example, agreements need to be made with existing companies that provide good services, such as Aladdin, Twinkle, 3P Learning, Dabbledoo, and all the ones I've mentioned before, so that their content would actually be available with a single sign-on onto the Skullnet portal. Now, I'm not saying the government should pay for all these third-party products. That would, be, that would be kind of ridiculous. But there's no point in the government creating worse versions than what's already out there. I mean, Pod is a worse version of Aladdin, for example. Um, so rather than creating um, you know, new literacy and numeracy products, why bother when 3P Learning do such a great job, for example, or you know, others that like 3P Learning? Um, look, there could be some sort of tendering system, let's say, for third parties to provide subsidized content, maybe. But ultimately, you know, this could be something uh, that could be done. For Irish-specific content, such as traditional Irish music, Irish history, Irish geography, and so on, the government does have to create these kind of things. I mean, we can't rely on UK and New Zealand and American and Canadian and Australian stuff. They need to take the expertise that's already out there, and perhaps the people who brought us the high-caliber software in the last decade, if they're still around, they can create it and combine it with teachers' curricular knowledge. Pay people to create this uh, online software. However, online activities aren't the only thing that's needed. What about downloadable books and printable worksheets? There's a wonderful company, and I don't know how they managed to stay afloat, called Primary Planet. They provide a monthly magazine to primary schools with all sorts of child-friendly news and resources. Now, surely this could be something that's integrated into the system. Let's also not forget all the agencies out, uh, out there with their sometimes decent education sections on their website. For example, any of the OPW sites would provide some educational resources. Tree Week, Maths Week, Science Week, Engineering Week, all of those. Why can't the resources be pulled onto one system? And look, we can't just close down all the textbook companies. They have good stuff too. Put it all in. None of it needs to be that complicated. The, it just needs to be in one place. This is why the portal is absolutely key to me. Funnily enough, such a portal actually exists, and I use it in my school. The thing is, it's not Irish, and that's a shame. It's an American um, portal. It's called Clever.com, and I highly, highly recommend it. I would be lost without it. Just to demonstrate why, this is what my students in my primary school have to do if they want to use Mathletics, which is not run by Clever.com, in school or at home. Okay. Every child's given a QR code which links to their school account. The QR code is created by Clever.com. They turn on any device with a webcam or a camera, so a phone or a Chromebook or a laptop, and they go to our portal site. They show their QR code to the camera and it logs them into the portal. They don't have to type in a username or password. Their account is matched up to whatever their teacher has planned, so they're met with a grid of resources that they can use that their teacher has picked. And let's just say one of them is Mathletics. Well, thankfully, Mathletics is plugged in through a single sign-on with the portal, so the system doesn't make them log into their Mathletics account as well. It just knows. Let's say, for example, then, their teacher wants them to watch a YouTube video for homework. Well, another thing that plugs in is Google Classroom, which nicely plugs into that system, into the same system. So the teacher just pops the link into their classroom feed and it's accessible in two clicks. There's no need for remembering any passwords, no need for multiple usernames or anything like that. Oh, and the, for the security consciousness of you, yes, every click and every gesture is logged through the system. As I said, Clever.com is American. There's a similar one in the Netherlands and Denmark, and I'm fairly sure there's others I haven't found. Ireland is a tiny country, and if the Americans can do this easily for tens of millions of teachers and pupils, I'm sure we can do it here for far less people.
I'm not sure if I mentioned all of this is done online. And this means that as long as you have a decent internet connection, <laughs> I, I should, I, I maybe, um, yeah, I shouldn't laugh. Uh, anyway, if you, if you have a decent internet connection, it doesn't matter what device you use. Therefore, whether you're a school with iPads, Chromebooks, Androids, Linux, whatever, the system just works. Well, if you've decent broadband, well, that's maybe, we've, we've talked about this before. Look, Ireland is a strange country. We have almost all of the biggest tech companies in the world using us as their base in Europe. Yet, for whatever reason, we have managed to spend the last 20 years almost ignoring the power that technology can give to our classrooms. We are a country with a population of an average UK-sized city, and we can't even manage to create a decent ICT infrastructure. We even lack the very basic foundations, broadband and technical support, which are obviously key to any system working. However, even with these in place, we lack a joint-up system to bring the pedagogy together. Even though we are way behind where we should be, there is one simple change we could do quite quickly. I understand that the Department of Education probably likes having very little to do with education, but they could at least provide a platform that lets those who do care about education a space to do interesting things. As you know, I focus on issues in education relating to primary education, and I rarely divulge into other levels. However, last week, at this time of recording, the Leaving Cert results came out, and then, of course, the CAO offers followed suit. Now, every year on Onshaw.net, since St. Pat's and the Church of Ireland College of Education and Matter Day amalgamated into DCU, for some reason, and I don't really understand, Protestants, or those uh, from a Christian background except Catholics, need fewer points to gain entry to this course, even though it's now the same course. No other faith group in the country gets any privilege apart from Protestants. So next week, I'll be arguing that if I were the Minister for Education, I would ensure that entry to DCU for teacher training would be equal for everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to tune in every Wednesday morning just in time for your midweek slump. It's actually as the time of recording next week we'll be back in school so we will really be slumping. Well not all of you, all those hardcore I will not go back to school in August, you'll have another few days off so you'll, uh, you'll, you, you, can, you can get it whenever you wake up. Um, anyway, it should, particularly next week, uh, particularly if you're Protestant, it's going to get your blood boiling. This podcast can be found, of course, on iTunes, Spotify, and any other podcasting app by searching for either onshaw.net or if I were the Minister for Education. I'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast um, and uh, so that each episode is going to be available to you immediately after its release. And I would love it if you would feel uh, if you'd um, take the time to review this podcast and give it a few stars hopefully five so that others can find it more easy look that is it for this week i hope you enjoyed uh, this uh, podcast episode i hope you found it useful and uh, maybe a few things to think about uh, thanks a million and we'll talk to you next week bye bye <laughs>